go ahead and have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. What a great privilege it is to be here this evening. Father, I pray that as we open your word and study, once again, we will understand what it is you have for us today. And from your word, Father, we will further understand what you have for us in our next several lessons and throughout this chapter, Father. We're so grateful for all you do for us, and we just pray that you would continue to work in our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you remember what the theme of Romans chapter 8 is? Don't everybody jump at once now. Living the victorious life. Okay? That's good. Now, how many of you get really excited when you see this word on the screen? Anybody? Oh, nobody's raising their hands. (laughs) I wonder why that is. Um, We get extremely nervous when we start talking about suffering, don't we? We avoid suffering at all costs, all right? Most of us think suffering, uh, we get nervous because we think it's some strange thing that's going to happen to us. And most of humanity, if we're being honest, will do pretty much whatever it takes to avoid suffering. An author by the name of Pak Deng said, an individual who fears suffering is already suffering from what they fear. Let me say that one more time. Someone, an individual who fears suffering, is already suffering from what they fear. Okay, so most of us will sit around and worry, wringing our hands like, oh no, I'm scared of suffering anything. Because we're fearing suffering. In fact, Buddhists, in their noble eightfold path, they chart a method for attaining the end of suffering. I've talked to multiple Buddhists in St. Thomas, if you can believe that. Uh, Multiple Buddhists, and guess what? This is part of what they are after. They're after the end of suffering. I asked one person, how did you come to understand this? Well, I had a really horrific event happen, and then I was looking for how to end this uh, suffering, and so I, I got into Buddhism because that's one of their eightfold paths. But listen to this line from psychologytoday.com. It's, it says this, Suffering painful events and bad things happening to us as human beings, this is something we all go through in life. We are going to suffer. It is inevitable. It is part of the human condition. And it's just part of being alive. Sometimes bad things happen. And we suffer. That's from Psychology Today, not a Christian organization at all. And they're just simply saying, listen, it's just part of being a human being. You are going to suffer. Suffering is inevitable. No one will escape suffering. It's going to happen. Mark it down. Take it to the bank. But here's what we typically will do. We typically try to avoid suffering. Another thing we'll do is if we go through suffering, we try to numb the pain. We'll do that in all kinds of different ways. We'll do that through substance abuse. We'll do that through loud music or through uh, trying to uh, substitute it with something else. We, We try to numb the pain or we can just deal with it. But none of us really like to deal with suffering. Instead of seeking to avoid it or trying to numb it, would it not be better to dig into it? 
and to understand suffering. Most of us don't like suffering because we just don't understand it. We don't know when it's going to happen and we don't understand it. And so both of the fears of the unknown we don't like. We want to avoid it at all costs. I want you to see this quote. To be able to explain suffering is the clearest indication of never having suffered. Oswald Chambers said that. So against Oswald Chambers tonight, I'm going to seek to explain suffering from a biblical perspective. Oxford Dictionary defines suffering as this. Sorry, that's, that's Romans chapter 8, verse 17. It defines suffering as the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. The, the, the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. And so I want you to see Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. We finished with this verse last week. Hopefully you'll remember that. The Bible says this, and if children then your heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. But notice this. If so be that we suffer, that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, Romans chapter 8 is getting a bit conditional, if you'll notice this. If if earlier on in the chapter we look um, to verse, let's see, Let's go verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay, so it's conditional. If you're led by the Spirit of God, guess what you are? You're the sons of God. Notice this, verse 17. And if children, then you're heirs. Okay, so it's conditional. If you're children, then you're heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And then it gets another condition. If so be that we suffer with Him. So we are children if we suffer with Him. Anybody getting really excited about this whole situation? No, no, I thought coming to know Christ was a, was a happy, wonderful, easy, breezy, beautiful, awesome thing. Well, it is, but this is the topic that we tend to avoid when talking about Jesus Christ. If you will notice in this verse that suffering is equated to being heirs of God. So let me put it to you very simply. It's a part of being a child of God. And they that live godly in Christ Jesus, guess what happens? They shall suffer persecution. It's going to happen. Mark it down. Take it to the bank. Now, it was a rule at our house that if you were going to live under my parents' roof, if you were going to eat my parents' food, you were going to work for my parents. That's the way it worked. So you know what really stunk? We would have to shovel the driveway when it snowed. Some of you are thinking, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Some of you guys have been to my house in Michigan. It is not a small driveway. It's 150 yards long. It's, it's long. And when the snow would get too deep where we couldn't get our car through, guess what we would have to do? We would have to go out and help my dad shovel the driveway. That also meant that we had to rake, not leaves. Oh no, we did not have leaves. We had pine needles. Pine needles. So one time I remember raking, and I asked my dad, how long has it been since you raked this section? And he said, ah, about 13 years. And I said, and why are we raking it now? I was about 13 years old, just for the record. <laughs> 
he didn't have an answer as to why we were raking it. Now I think he just wanted us to suffer. I had to mow the lawn. And guess what? Our lawn, you could not just mow the lawn. You had to constantly, and when I say constantly, I mean constantly, pick up pine cones. You could not hit a pine cone with a lawnmower. That would land you in very good trouble. So here I am, living under my parents' roof, eating my parents' food, suffering. Suffering. Okay, you la- you're laughing. The state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. Okay, so I, by definition, was suffering. I would finish a 12-hour day at the farm. Guess what I would have to do when I got home? Weed whack. And let me tell you, our, our property was an old gravel pit. Weed whacking in an old gravel pit is not fun for your neck, chest, and face because stones fly at you. It's, it's suffering, okay? Suffering. So we would have to do all of this, but this was part of being a child of John and Teresa Yeomans. All of us had to do it. This was part of it. So just quickly, I want to jump to verse 18. We're going to come back to verse 17, but I want you to see verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, look at this, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is the good part. Okay, so notice, I reckon that these sufferings, these things that are going on in the present time, guess what? They're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Something better is coming down the road. Now again, for silliness sake, my family made me suffer. They made me work hard. Now, I'm going to be honest enough to say that in the moment, I did not like it. I had multiple complaints. It was hard. And I remember talking to some of my buddies and telling them about my hardships. And they were like, oh, my parents don't make us do anything. Oh, my parents, oh, no, we, we, get, no, we come and go as we please. We do all this. I don't have any chores. I don't have to do any. I don't have to clean my room. All this stuff. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Why can't I have parents like that? Their parents were keeping them from hardship, but now what are they facing? They're facing hardship. And here I was being placed in the middle of hardship. But notice once again what this verse says, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. They're not even close. They don't even reflect to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Notice this, suffering creates a glory that will be revealed in us. Let me say that one more time. Suffering creates a glory that will be revealed in us. Now, I look back on my life right now, and I'm so thankful for the work that my parents made me do. Because it made me a hard worker. It made me do things that I wouldn't typically normally do. If you will, it made a man out of me. It made me a hard worker. So let me ask this question. What is the purpose then of suffering? What is the purpose of suffering? Well, I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. Notice this. For our, notice this word, 
light affliction, which is but for what? A moment. What does it do? It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So this light, you know, and, and it seems like Paul in 2 Corinthians is kind of making fun of us, right? This light affliction, it's really not that big of a deal. It may seem heavy in the moment, but it's going to produce something far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Most of us feel that weight of suffering, do we not? But listen, this is going to pale in comparison to the glory that we will reveal. So number one, the purpose of our suffering is to glorify God. The purpose of our suffering is to glorify God. Now let me ask you, be honest. How many of you are happy about that reason? You're like, yeah, that's the best reason to suffer. Anybody? Okay. I'm just going to be honest. I don't like that definition. Let me illustrate once again, okay? When my parents would make me go out and do all this yard work, and then some of their friends would come over and go, wow, nice yard work. You guys keep such good yards and do all this stuff and blah, 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 right? Like that actually never really happened, but if they did. My parents got lifted up and wow, they are such great people. What would I be thinking? (laughs) They didn't even do it. We did it all. I don't like it when somebody, when I'm suffering for the glory of somebody else. Think about slavery. Nobody likes this, okay? Slavery, people suffered for the glory of someone else. Let me, let me continue to illustrate. You look at the pyramids of Egypt and the Sphinx and all these different things and all these wonderful things that the slaves built for the glory of somebody else. Not exactly appealing, is it? Not exactly getting my gears up ready to go get some suffering done. But we're missing the point. We're missing the point when we think, oh, this is what's happening. My parents are getting the glory. We're missing the point. The point is this. We become the enduring glory of God. Let me say that one more time. In suffering, we become the enduring, continual glory of God. Let me, let me illustrate this again. I look like my dad. I sound like my dad. Here's the funny thing. You could give me no greater compliment than to say you act like your dad. No greater compliment. You remind me just of your dad. But listen, you know why that is? Because he made me suffer. Because he made me work hard. Because a good name is rather be chosen than great riches. It's not about you, you know, me looking good. It's, it's about me showing forth the glory of my Father. God's glory is going to be revealed in us. I want to take you back to verse 18 here. Notice, compared to the glory which shall be revealed. Notice these two words, in us. The glory is going to be revealed. How? In us. It's going to be revealed through us. We are going to have glory on us. We become the object that is glorifying. 
We become the object that is pointing people to Christ. That's what we become through suffering. Not our work, not what we do, but us. As as human beings, Jesus said it this way, ye are the light of the world. Our work is not what's important. It's about us being changed into glory. Let's go to Acts chapter 5, if you would, with me. I'm going to get you to do a bunch of turning. Winter's here, which makes you all tired. So we've got to wake you up a little bit. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. The Bible says this. And to him they agreed. And when they called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The context is they were arrested for speaking in the name of Jesus. They said, listen guys, don't mess with these guys. And they said, okay, so we'll beat the snot out of them and then we'll send them out. And that's exactly what they did in verse 41. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for what? For his name. They suffered for what purpose? For his name. And what did they do in that? They counted, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer his name. Look at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. This is God speaking to Ananias about Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church. Look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. The Bible says this, But the Lord said unto him, being Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Watch this. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer. For what purpose? For my name's sake. You see, Paul was going to suffer. Not just for the sake of suffering. Not just for fun. Not just to... You fill in the blank. Not just to get a work done. Listen, he wasn't suffering for that. He was suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. To promote the name of Jesus Christ. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7, the Bible says this, but what things were gained to me, guess what? Those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. For what purpose? That I may win Christ and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. You know what? I'm good 
with this suffering. I have suffered the loss of all things for the knowledge of Christ. I'm okay with that. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. The Bible says this, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have what? Suffered a while. What does it do? Make you perfect. Establish. Strengthen. Settle you. And it doesn't stop there. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, so suffering isn't just to for the sake of it. Suffering isn't just an everyday human understanding that it's just going to happen. Listen, suffering has a very specific purpose. Suffering has a very specific purpose, and our suffering is to glory, glorify God. I think so often we get sidetracked with what we do. We get sidetracked with the actions that we perform. We get sidetracked with, wow, that was such a good sermon that I preached. Wow, I am such a good daughter, or I am such a good father, or I am such a good worker, and I am such a good person, and we get sidetracked with what we do or what we don't do. We get distracted with glorifying or dishonoring God with what we do. So, oh, I messed up today. I sinned. I dishonored God. But would it not be a far more effective way to live our lives to realize that God is using things to make us more like Him? Would it not be a more effective way to live our lives to realize that God is using things to make us more like Him? It's not so much what we do as it is how we are changed to be more like Him. So for instance, if I mess up, if I fail, the Bible says a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Listen, it's not about my pride that says, oh no, I failed. Listen, in our failure, are we looking to say, okay God, what do I do now? How have I messed up? How did I get here? Help me to be more like you and be changed because of the failure. You know, failure can be one of your greatest teachers. Do we learn from our successes? Most of us do not. Most of us don't ask, how was this successful? And if we do, our answer is usually, look at what I did. Very rarely do we think, okay, God, you changed me here, and because you changed me here, I got this result. Change me again. You see what I'm trying to say? Most of us focus in on the actions that we do. We don't focus in on the fact that God is trying to do something in us. And through us, we ought to be focused on how we can be used as an instrument that glorifies Him. 
Not what can I do, but God, how can you use me? Totally different way of looking at life, in my opinion. We have a responsibility. Look at 2 Timothy chapter, um, there it is, 2 and verse 21. The Bible says this. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Don't we have it backwards? We're too busy trying to get our good works in order so that we'll please God. And God says, listen, just get along with me. Let me change you and guess what will happen? Then you'll be prepared to every good work. We're trying to be a, a, a useful vessel when we're not a clean vessel. Let's allow God to work through us. Now, can God use us even in the midst of our sin? 100% absolutely he can. But here's what I want you to see. Suffering is for the glory of God. Number two, suffering causes us to be more like him. Does that not make sense to you if that's the logical progression? Suffering causes us to be more like him. C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in health and prosperity. But being hard of hearing, we fail to hear God's voice in both. Look at this. Whereupon God turns up the amplifier by means of suffering. Then his voice booms. Is that not true? Is it not true that in our lives everything's going well and that still small voice of God for some reason gets shoved to the back further and further and further and it's as if God says, okay, you're not listening. And he brings in suffering and now his voice is loud and clear. Okay, God, I'm getting the message. For Paul, guess what he had to do? He had to knock him off a horse and blind him. Paul, or Saul, Saul, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Hey, how long are you going to continue to kick against me? I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 with me. Hebrews chapter 12, look with me in verse 6. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. I despise this passage of Scripture. The <laughs> Bible says this, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, <laughs> and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Okay? If you're a child of God, guess what? You're going to be punished. Not just punished, chastened, scourged. Oh, how fun and exciting. Oh, happy days are here again. Verse 7. Notice this, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, where of all our partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You're, you're an illegitimate child. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? 
For they verily for a few days chastened us for what purpose? After their own pleasure. <laughs> but he for our what? Our profit. That we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. <laughs> but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, what does it do? It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. What I find interesting about this passage is that, you know what, I have such a great respect for my parents who chastened me. And you know what? In some ways they did it because for their own pleasure. I have no doubt that many times I embarrassed my family. <laughs> and I got punished for it. But here, in verse 10, he, God doesn't do it because he's embarrassed. He does it for our profit. What profit? That we might become more like him. And when we become more like Him, guess what we do? We glorify Him. And we become that object of glory. If we are more like Him, guess what? He can use us more. We can be a better vessel. We can be a cleaner vessel. We can be a pure vessel. Fit meat for the Master's use. So what's our solution? All right. Let's go. Let's get out there and start suffering for Jesus, right? Let's put ourselves in harm's way. Let's stick our hand in a basket of snakes and let's suffer for Jesus. There are many people in this world that bring suffering upon themselves for the wrong reasons. Under the guise of, I'm going to glorify God and I'm going to suffer for Jesus. Often they are loud, obnoxious, brash, defiant, etc., etc., etc. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 15. It says this, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or even as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as what? As a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But notice this, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Glorify God on this behalf. Listen, this is not about you suffering for something dumb that you're doing. This is about you suffering for being a Christian. And if you are suffering for being a Christian, glorify God. Don't be ashamed of that. Glorify Him. Again, once again, we get so focused on the fact that we are suffering. Oh, I'm suffering. I'm just going through it right now. Oh, bless God, I get to suffer for His name. We are proud of it all. We get so focused on the fact that we are suffering that we forget the purpose of our suffering. 
We get so caught up in the suffering and how painful it is or how glorious it is that we negate the whole purpose of it. To make us more like Christ and to glorify Him. Perhaps you're like me and when you go through a tough time, that's all you can think about. And you play through in your mind every single scenario. Maybe you've been called and the doctor says, hey, you have cancer. What does your mind immediately do? It begins to play through every scenario. Maybe somebody calls you and tells you, rips you up one side and down the other, I don't know. And you begin to think of every scenario. How, how did we get to this point? How did we hear? How did they? Oh, and, it just, da, 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 da. and all we can think about is the suffering. How many times have we stepped back and said, okay, listen, this isn't about the suffering. Yes, we need to handle it properly. Yes, we need to walk through this. Yes, we need to have faith. Yes, yes, yes. But God, what are you trying to teach me here right now? What is it that I need to change to be more in your image, to be more glorifying to you? What is it right now that you're trying to teach me? Listen, suffering causes us to be more like him so that we might glorify him. But it's important to remember this. Number three, we must suffer, here it is, with Him. With Him. If you'll flip back over to Romans chapter 8. Verse 17. Notice with me here in verse 17 what the Bible says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer, here it is, with Him. That we also, that we may be also glorified together. You see, so many of us think, oh, I just need to suffer. Oh, I'm going through it right now. I'm having a hard time right now. Okay, listen, I'm not trying to diminish this at all. I'm just speaking specifically to this. Suffering is for the glory of God. Suffering causes us to be more like Him so that we can glorify Him, but it must be suffering with Him. This is not get off on your own and have a good time suffering. This is suffering with Christ. Let's go to 1 Peter Old Peter has something to say about suffering, if you can believe it. 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 19. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19. The Bible says this, For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully... For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? What if when ye do what? Well. And suffer for it, ye take it patiently. Notice this. This is what? Acceptable 
with God. Now let me ask you one question very quickly. If someone came to you right now, got in your face, called you all kinds of names, what would your natural inclination be? I know what mine is. It's, they make it physical. But I can mince words with the best of them. The problem is I got too much ammo on too many people. <laughs> and here's the reality. That's what I want to do. But notice what it says. If when ye do well, ye suffer for it, ye take it what? Patiently. Proverbs tells us somebody hits you on one side of the cheek, what do you do? Turn the other one. Jesus said that, I believe. Just turn the other cheek. Take it patiently. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath. But what? Grievous words. What does it do? Stirs up anger. Stir the pot. That's all I want to do is just stir the pot. Verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us. Here it is. Leaving us an example. An example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin? Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, guess what he didn't do? He reviled not again when he suffered. Guess what? He threatened not. But committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. You see, Jesus literally was mocked, ridiculed, beaten, had your sin placed upon him. And guess what? He just took it. That's how he suffered. That's how he suffers. This is how we, if we are like Christ, we will suffer. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says this, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. Notice what it says. Arm yourselves likewise. How? With the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Why? That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. This is how he suffered. He suffered in the flesh so that we could be removed from the flesh. So that we can have victory over the flesh. When we suffer, we suffer with him. We suffer with Christ so that we might glorify the Father. I want you to flip over to Philippians chapter 2. I know I'm going through a bunch of Bible. I'll drink, bring it to a conclusion hopefully for you here in just a second. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5. The Bible says this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus verse 6 who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and look what he did 
and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross but that's not where it stops verse 9 wherefore god also hath what highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For what purpose? To the glory of God the Father. I have no doubt in my mind that there are people who are suffering but it's not for the glory of God, it's for their own glory. Oh, look at me. Look at the suffering I'm going through. And please, just don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say we shouldn't be compassionate. I'm talking about you specifically. Don't look at anybody else right now. Look at you. When you're going through a difficult time, what is your reaction? Woe is me. Or... Bless God, I get to go through suffering. I must, be, I must be holy. Again, if we focus on the suffering, we're missing the point. Let me ask you this question. Who is the one person in the Bible that we often think of when it comes to suffering? Job. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. What was the purpose of Job's suffering? Was it to say, oh, Job was such a righteous man who just and perfect in every way. He eschewed evil and all those things. By the way, the Bible does say that about him. But was the purpose to prove that that's who he was? Absolutely not. You see, the purpose of Job's suffering was to glorify God through Job. In fact, if you want to, you don't have to do it right now, but go to Job chapter 40 and, verse, and chapter 41 and watch how God speaks about himself. You see, God is far greater than we could ever be. Job's suffering was not about Job. We think it was, and we read it and go, oh man, I'm glad I wasn't Job. Part of me kind of wishes I was. Not because, oh, I want to go through suffering, but God gets the glory when people go through suffering like that. God is glorified over and over and over and over and over and over again. And at the end of it all, guess what God does? He proves himself miraculous again and restores the Job double. Again, do you see what we do? Oh, God will get me through my suffering, and at the end of it, he'll restore me double. Not the point. The point is Job glorified God in that whole thing. It was about glorifying God. Let me say it one more time in case we don't have it yet. It's about glorifying God. So if you're sitting here today, I guarantee you at some point in your life, still to come, you're going to go through some sort of suffering. For what purpose? I hope it's to glorify God. The question then becomes, how do I accomplish what you're saying, Pastor Yeoman? How do I glorify God in my suffering? Well, I'd like to suggest to you that it's the same way that Job did it. 
The same way that Job did it. You can see this in Job chapter 1. I'm going to pull it up for you in verse 21. Notice what he says here. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God's got a plan. Isn't that hard, though? I'm just going to be a, a little bit blunt here. That sucks. But you know what? If we're going to glorify God, that's how it's going to be. I think of people like, again, recent missionaries, Adoniram Judson, who lost, I believe, two wives, maybe three and all of his children, and guess what? Stayed faithful. How are we going to glorify God? I would like to submit to you that it might be even the same way that Jesus did. In Matthew, chapter 26, and verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his pray, face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. I'm suggesting to you today that suffering's going to come. You can try to avoid it all you want. You can try to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish in the suffering, but I want you to understand this. If you will just say, here am I, Lord. Let your will be done, not mine. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. I have no doubt that God will get the glory. I have no doubt that he will be glorified in us. That glory is going to be revealed in us. We will be used as instruments of God. And guess what? We won't want any recognition. Why? Because we're becoming more like Christ. And all we would want to do is point people to Him. And point people to Him. And point people to Him. Oh, suffering is not a fun topic to talk about. But suffering well is just an attitude of surrender. All right, God, I don't know why you're doing this. But here am I. So the next time, it's going to come. The next time you go through suffering, and the bad part about this is I preached it, so God's going to make me practice what I preach. All right, God. What do I need to change? What is it about me that I've messed up? What is it that I've got to get right? What is it that's not like you? You're the potter. You're trying to cut some things off of me. What is it? Oh, it hurts, God. I don't want that anymore. Listen, it's just got to come off. Just let me do it. I know it hurts, but you'll be a vessel unto honor. Will you surrender 
through that suffering. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all you do for us. Father, this is not a popular subject to talk about, Father, especially in our North American society where we're comfortable. I'll raise my hand and say I am absolutely comfortable. Father, I can think of two times in my life, maybe three, where you have pushed me outside of my comfort zone and caused me to suffer in ways that I did not want to suffer. Father, in them. In them, you taught me some things that I needed to know about myself. And Father, I pray still to this day that in those things I glorified you. I pray that I've come out of them to better glorify you. Oh, not so people will see Johnny Yeomans, but that people will see you. That people will see I'm a child of the King. And I am a reflection of Him. Father, help each and every one of us as we go through suffering, as we go through trials, that we would let that patience have her perfect work that we may be perfect and entire wanting nothing that you would transform us into who you are and father we pray all these things in jesus name amen in case you're wondering this is going to tie very well in just a few lessons romans chapter 8 and verse 28 and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God's got a plan. We allow him to work it. All right. That is all I have for you. I hope that was helpful to you tonight.